The presenting sponsor for this season of Wild Ideas Worth Living is Ford. Their 2021 Ford Bronco Sport is the SUV that'll get you to your outdoor adventures. It's an off-road SUV built for the thrill seeker, the sightseer, and the day tripper. This SUV has many available features to help you get to your destination. With enough ground clearance, off-roading capabilities, and purposeful design that includes easy to clean surfaces and plenty of interior space, this SUV is your gateway to the outdoors. The Ford Bronco Sport is equipped to help you get out there, to the mountain ranges, the woodland trails, and to the coast. You can learn more about what the Bronco Sport has to offer at Ford.com or in our show notes. One of the things I really liked when I started working with REI on this is, you know, they were really clear that they wanted to create work that wasn't just like, you know, the same people kind of taking all these risks in the outdoors and doing all these kind of like very, very risky things, but just like taking a walk in the park is being in the outdoors as well. And that got me going when I was trying to think of how to come up with stories. Angela Tucker is a writer, director, and an Emmy-nominated producer who makes narrative and documentary films. She's passionate about telling unconventional stories about underrepresented communities. Angela teamed up with REI recently to create a new series called The Trees Remember. The series comes out this month, and each of the three films features a Black woman experiencing a moment of connection and reflection in the outdoors. The stories demonstrate that nature is a backdrop to our daily lives, providing space to learn and inspire. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Before we talk about the creative process behind these films, I want to go back to the beginning of Angela's career. She was a Sundance Institute Women's Filmmakers Initiative Fellow. She also received her MFA in film from Columbia University, and she's won many awards. In addition to being the director and producer behind some phenomenal work, Angela also has her own production company called Tucker Girl. You're obviously not a novice filmmaker. I mean, your film is really high quality production. How did you get started making films? Yeah, I mean, so I've always been a storyteller. Like, I've always been really interested in stories. How I started making films is is an interesting story. Um, so when I was, like, a teenager, I became really, like, a big activist, particularly around the death penalty. And um, I was part of this organization called Amnesty International. You know, we would do these petitions. And one time we had to do a petition around a film. And it was this film called The Thin Blue Line that um, showed at Film Forum in New York. That was It was a film by Errol Morris. And it was about this guy who was on death row. And the petitions were to try to free him. And so we, you know, we would go to film forum and get all these people to sign these petitions. And then sort of down the line, this guy was freed from death row. They found, they found all these things with cases. And part of that was the activism that had been done alongside that film. And so that was when I got hooked into the power of the story to really make change, you know? 
And then I, you know, went to college and and decided to go to grad school for film specifically, you know, just to kind of have time to hone my craft and then went off to work at a documentary production company and, and worked in documentary for a long time and have been working in fiction now as well and made like a fiction feature and, and, you know, and here we are. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I really saw the ability that film has to make change in people's lives. And that's what I continue to be drawn to is, is making work like that in whatever format makes sense. I know you went to Columbia, you studied film. I'm sure you had some good mentors along the way. Like, What are the ingredients that have really helped you become an award-winning filmmaker yourself? Well, I think it's first just having a really clear idea of what story you want to tell, like, and what are you trying to say? You know, uh, that's the first thing that I think is really, really important. It's not just, oh, someone should make a movie about this random thing. It's really like, what are you trying to say? Um, and once you get, you know, there's this, um, I'm going to get a little film nerdy here, but there's this podcast called Script Notes. And in the podcast, they talk a lot about this thing called the central dramatic argument. And the central dramatic argument is really just essentially like, what are you trying to say? What argument are you trying to make? And it has to be something that's arguable. So I would say start there and thinking about what you're trying to say and then, create kind of work around that. And then, you know, I think mentors are important. And I think finding collaborators, talented collaborators are really everything. You don't have to do everything yourself. I want to ask you about your production company, Tucker Girl. What was that transition like from working for other people to going off on your own? What was the motivation behind that? I had been working with a lot of companies for a long time and it had good models for the kind of production company that I wanted to have. Um, And I just really wanted to be able to make the projects that I wanted to make that felt kind of most connected to, to who I was and what my values were. And that was really what drew me to create Tucker Girl. I also was a born and raised New Yorker and moved to New Orleans about seven years ago, also just to be able to kind of grow my company and not be a place that was so expensive for me. And that was really the best move I could have made because it just really, you know, the mission statement for the company is making stories for underrepresented communities in unconventional ways. And, you know, I especially think that these REI pieces are a, a true example of the mission statement in terms of, you know, no one would necessarily think of making stories like this about the outdoors, you know, Uh, people are used to a very different kind of storytelling. So yeah, it it was really a dream of mine to just be able to also just prioritizing hiring, not just like diverse talent, but, um, you know, I, I really believe in mentoring and in kind of teaching younger filmmakers uh, and sort of bringing them up. And so I've been able to kind of do that in lots of different ways. And that was a real priority of making the production company. What's the best advice you've been given about making movies? Yeah, my mentor, Katie Chevendy, gave me some really good advice, which was, When I went to work at Big Mouth Productions and I was an intern, the thing that she was saying is, you know, a lot of people 
say they make movies and develop things for a long time, but we actually make movies. It's really important to just like have an idea, make the movie, move on to the next movie. And I think that was has been incredible advice because it keeps you less precious about everything that you make because you can, it, there's just a lot of room to get really precious and not be super productive. And, you know, I want to make as many things as I can and I don't need every story to have every thought and idea <laughs> that I have in them. You know, I'll make later other very different stories. So that's that was some good advice that I've kind of followed. Angela really has made a ton of work over the span of her career, but she's mostly worked on documentaries. Now she's moving into creating more fictional films. Her latest series, The Trees Remember, takes place in three different eras. The first film, Movement, is a touching story about a mother and daughter bonding over their ancestry on a fishing trip and participating in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. The second, Maintenance takes place in the 1990s. It's a comedy that features a woman who's feeling a little stuck in her relationship, so she takes her husband to a trail maintenance class. It's really funny. The third, Migration, is more of a somber piece. It focuses on an older woman who feels trapped in her house early during the COVID-19 pandemic until she finally gathers the courage to go outside to go birding. I wanted to give you a taste of my favorite short, Maintenance. This is the scene when the couple arrive at this trail maintenance class and the husband has, you know, he doesn't really know what they're doing, where they're at. And uh, the wife has sort of this plan that they'll take this trail maintenance class But also the trail maintenance class is a a class that a lot of couples take when they're going through some problems. So Ranger Psy makes everyone introduce themselves. And uh, so this is kind of an excerpt from that moment. (laughs) Welcome, my friend. (laughs) I am Ranger Psy. And this is Trail Labor Conservancy, a.k.a. TLC. Or as the folks who know call Trail Loving Class. (laughs) So... Let's make sure your trails are ready. Trail loving. You playing, right? <laughs> you well, said you tried something new. I thought you meant and, uh, like mini golf or go karts. Well, you you tell me your name and what brought you here today? Uh, Franklin. And I barely know where I am. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, we're from Philly. Just visiting family and uh, looking to move here soon. Maybe. What? We're maybe looking to move here. I'm still deciding. Y'all should get that cleared up. But in the meantime, where's my cheesesteak? <laughs> I'm curious. I saw you use humor. And was that intentional? Because I just think humor is such a great way to communicate something big. Oh, yeah. I love using humor in my work and try to, whenever it's appropriate, I will try to find a joke. You know, we really wanted to highlight Black joy in these pieces. That was, that's where we wanted to begin. That was like the most important thing, especially in looking at, you know, the 
being in the sort of the year plus that we've had, it, it was important for us to create images of that. And uh, so that's, you know, that's that was the kind of beginning point for each of the pieces. That's why, you know, they all have happy endings. And, you know, uh, that was that was a decision. You know, this this is not this wasn't the piece that we sort of wanted to make sort of this like edgy statement about anything. You know, we really wanted it to 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 show, okay, someone's dealing with something complicated that we can relate to in different ways. And then sort of being in the outdoors and something they do in the outdoors helps them sort through it somehow. Uh, so that was the, that was the goal for us. And, and I, yeah, I, I think that that's going to feel more relatable to people, you know, versus, you know, just kind of showing also there were, there were little decisions that we made like in movement um, for example, the 1960s piece, we decided to have it be a mother and daughter trying to, you know, the mother trying to have this talk about the civil rights movement um, instead of like a father and son, because a lot of times those conversations are father and son. And so uh, also just making decisions like that, that it's slightly different people, you know, 2020, having it be like an older protagonist and giving her like a fully complete story. You know, those were all decisions that we made in terms of thinking through how to tell kind of more fully diverse stories. People always say to write what you know. As a filmmaker who tells unconventional stories and loves spending time outside, Angela was the perfect person to make these movies. When we come back, we talk more about her creative process, what it was like working with her childhood friend, and why she wanted to show Black people in nature on film. I've had a lot of portable speakers because I travel a lot and music is awesome. And the Sonos Roam is the best one I've owned. They sent me one this week, and not only is the design sleek and minimalistic, but the sound is so crisp and clear. It was easy to set up with my phone, and it automatically switches from Wi-Fi to Bluetooth wherever you go. It even tunes itself to your surroundings, so the sound is always clear and perfectly balanced like you're in your own recording studio, which is very cool for a podcast nerd like me. Best of all, this thing is durable and waterproof, so it will definitely be coming with me to the beach this summer. You can discover Sound Made Easy at Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com. In the same pioneering spirit of our podcast, Teva is all about bringing wild ideas to life. Their premise is simple. Create a world with less plastic and more freedom. A bold concept Absolutely, but let's not forget, Teva was born from a bold idea on the Colorado River back in 1984. An innovator in the sport sandal category, Teva transitioned 100% of its iconic straps to traceable, verifiable, recycled plastic using her pre-yarn last year, diverting over 40 million bottles from landfills. They're back at it this spring, breaking the mold with a fresh batch of earth-friendly sandals. We're talking feel-good footwear that utilizes recycled materials and sustainable practices. And now they've launched an industry-leading sandal recycling program, Teva Forever. So you can send your well-worn Teva sandals to be recycled and reborn. So whether you're seeking a sidewalk-ready silhouette like the original Universal or hiking performance from the Terrify, 
Teva has a pair for you. Discover consciously crafted Teva sandals this spring with select colors available at your local REI and at REI.com. Making a movie means sharing your vision with an audience, and that requires a huge amount of work. When you watch her series, The Trees Remember, you can tell that Angela considered every last detail. There are all these small decisions about the characters and the scenery that make the story feel complete. It's something that comes with Angela's incredible talent and experience as a filmmaker. I'm really curious about your creative process. Did you get stuck at all? And if you did, how do you break through those creative blocks? When I first, you know, was thinking about what to do, I felt overwhelmed at the idea of writing three pieces, especially with, you know, there was a pretty fast turnaround and and I was kind of, I wasn't sure that that was something I could do. So in writing them with another person, it was really, really helpful. Migration I had in my head and it was pretty easy to write because I had been thinking about that one for a while, but, um, Maintenance was probably the most challenging. That's the one that's set in the 1990s because it actually takes place um, kind of in an afternoon. And it's just kind of thinking through also they're in a trail maintenance class. What are the different things they're going to do on this trail maintenance class? What are the lessons that we things we can have them do so that they can learn lessons and um, and then also wanting it to have humor. So it was a lot of different things that we were trying to have happen. You know, we got really good notes from REI. I have a friend, Randy, who was a story consultant, and he was essentially like my additional person that we would send all the scripts to and he would give notes. And then I'm in a writer's group. And that was actually really helpful because in maintenance, you know, the husband needed a few rewrites. Uh, And it was because like it was all women like writing it. And we were all, you know, we were all kind of like using it as a way to like talk about ways our boyfriends frustrate us. And and then I have my writing group is actually like almost entirely men. So they were able, they had to read it and they were just like, whoa, okay. Like she just brought him out into the woods and he didn't even know what was going on and he has a right to be mad. But that was a really important process because I think the script got a lot better. There are some jokes I got out of it. I literally was like, "Uh uh-huh, yep. Like typing (laughs) half of the things they were saying. So yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun process. What was it like working with your best friend on this film? You know, we actually haven't really worked together before. She's just the person that I bounce everything off of. And she had so many really good ideas and has been wanting to do more writing. And so she kind of came up with a lot of the premises and the different stories. And then it just kind of became like, well, why don't we just do this together instead of it being like, a lot of your ideas and I'm not really like acknowledging that this is something we're doing together, you know? So it was great. I mean, you know, she hadn't really, she had to like learn how to write a screenplay, you know? I mean, it, it was, you know, it was definitely, but it was exciting because she's been wanting to do it. And because we have such a great 
you know, relationship, she, you know, she wrote movement, but I was able to kind of do a rewrite of it and give her notes and we're so close that it was a totally fine process. So it was, it was great. And, and because we, you know, we basically grew up together. We've been friends since, you know, fifth grade, we have a lot of the same references. So it, it kind of was like an extension of me writing too. So it, 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 it felt pretty easy. I'm really curious how long it took you to make this and sort of your process, because the settings are really detailed. The costume is detailed. I see the car of the 60s. There's music of the 60s in that scene. I mean, you really put a lot of attention to detail. This isn't like some outdoor documentary where you're filming some athlete going in the mountains. It's very different. How long did it take? How did you do it? What was the process like? I mean, it's funny you say that because I'm just like just coming off of it. So now I'm like, what was before times? Um, We shot it really over nine days and we wrote, my friend and I wrote it really. It was kind of a month of back and forth drafts between us. And we just had, I've worked with this crew on many projects before. So we already kind of had a rhythm and that helps too when you're making projects quickly because then people know, okay, this is something that like Angela likes, you know, and there doesn't have to be like a lot of back and forth. So I think it's just like us being in a rhythm together. And I had this incredible casting director, Brent Caballero, who he casts a lot of things in the city and I had worked with him on a feature. And so when he did this, There were some actors that we knew and, you know, because New Orleans has having this kind of boom, you know, we were able to get some actors who are on Queen Sugar now and, you know, just kind of people at a different caliber because, you know, they're local, they're here, they can just do a couple days on this. So, um, but it was important to all of us that the production value be really high because it was also just an opportunity for us to uh, make something with a really high production value. And, uh, you know, I can't say Panavision at a very low rate rented us this camera. And that was a huge get in terms of, you know, the visual quality of the film. It sounds like there's a lot of intentional decisions you made when you made this film. Every story, each of these little shorts are set in a different era. And I'm really curious why you took that approach. So the 60s, the 90s, and now, or 2020, last year. Well, I think that, you know, when I thought about, you know, the outdoors and knowing that even though these are short films, they're still going to be associated with a brand, right? And when you think about the outdoors, you know, people don't necessarily imagine like diverse faces, which we know is completely untrue, but... You know, I wanted to send this message that, you know, people of color have been doing things in the outdoors in unconventional ways since the beginning of time. So that was the decision to have it be in different time periods to send that message and also um, to show in each story the lead woman very organically, you know, fishing, birding, you know, learning about trail maintenance, like all of these things that you wouldn't necessarily think would be happening. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you connected with them. I feel like it's really each story has a different, you know, a different style and a different way that I think people can kind of access what's going on. You know, for maintenance, the one you referenced, which is set in 1990, I did want to make one that was funny. And um, we were thinking about how trail maintenance 
really learning about trail maintenance is a lot like learning how to maintain a relationship, right? And so that metaphor was what we kind of walked into the piece with. Uh, And then I really was like, I want to make something in the 90s that kind of reminds us of kind of those 90s Black comedies, like romantic comedies, like The Best Man or um, Brown Sugar. There was like a time when Love Jones, when all those films came out. And so the score, like everything, is very set in that time period. So it's a way of still showing people like learning how to interact with the outdoors, but kind of being, you know, having it be light and fun and, you know, happy ending about love, all of that. So, um, yeah, I just felt like I wanted to do when I approached this, I wanted to do something really really different. Um, and I didn't know what that was, but I, I just like, as time went on, I was like, yeah, I just want to make these kind of fiction moments that, you know, whether all three of them connect to you or just one connects to you for different ways. That was really important to me. So in the interview you did for the REI co-op journal, you spoke about how black people have always had a relationship with the outdoors that you've always been there. And I'm curious how you decided to make that visual show up in your movie. There's a weird thing about like the outdoors in quotes where I think there's the outdoors and then there's the outdoors in quotes and kind of the how we've kind of commodified what the outdoors is. And I, when you really go back to like the basics, you know, black people have always been doing things. I mean, I, mean, I, you know, I, there's even a whole sort of legacy of fishing. I used to go fishing with my uncles and that was part of what's reflected in movement in the 1960 piece. We all know that, you know, black people have been here in the outdoors doing things for a long time. So I wanted to find a way to make that point But in a kind of um, more playful and um, like a different way than a lot of like outdoor pieces have done. So that was really my goal is to have it to really have it feel like you just come upon these like fun short films that just happen, you know, that just happen to take place in the outdoors. One of the things I loved most about watching Angela's films is that they aren't what you typically see in the outdoor film space. They aren't documentary style. They aren't about huge athletic feats. Instead, like she said, they're everyday moments of life set against the backdrop of nature. Being outside doesn't have to mean taking on physical challenges. Angela wanted these films to show all of the different ways of being outside, and she succeeded. Of the three, do you have a favorite? Uh, it's hard. I mean, they're just all so different. I, I, Migration, which is set in 2020, that one I have an attachment to because I, it, it was kind of the idea that brought me the whole thing in a way. Like I knew I wanted to do something where like a woman sort of connects with a bird and, and then, you know, her kind of being a birder and, there's a lot of different things in that one that speak to why it was made, but I don't know. The sixties one was so much fun to make because who gets to make like period short films that like look great. What do you hope people who watch will really take away from this film? Um, I hope that people firstly just, you know, enjoy the stories and feel connected to the stories first of all. And I also hope that it inspires people to 
you know, want to make a connection with a friend, a family member or someone in the outdoors in some way. What do you hope people will take away from the film in 10 years? I mean, I was really excited to make pieces that just showed a more diverse picture of the outdoors. One of the things I really liked when I started working with REI on this is, you know, they were really clear that they wanted to create work that wasn't just like, you know, the same people kind of taking all these risks in the outdoors and doing all these kind of like very, very risky things, but just like taking a walk in the park is being in the outdoors as well. And that got me going when I was trying to think of how to come up with stories. And so I just, you know, hope the people of all races, of all body types, of all, you know, just feel like I want to engage in the outdoors even more. And it doesn't have to be this like very involved thing. There's a lot of ways to do it. can't wait for you all to see The Trees Remember. You can watch the series by going to the link in our show notes or by going to rei.com forward slash blog. That's rei.com slash blog. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about the making of The Trees Remember. Your energy and your passion for what you do is infectious. It got me thinking a lot and I really appreciate your time. You can follow Angela on Instagram. She's at Tucker Girl. That's T-U-C-K-E-R-G-U-R-L. And you can get her books at your favorite bookstore or on her website, tuckergirl.com. That's girl with a U. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler, and produced by Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby, and our presenting sponsor is Ford. Right now, I have a new podcast out called Vitamin Joy. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts and find me on Instagram at Shelby Stanger. As always, we appreciate when you follow, rate, and review the show wherever you listen. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. 